Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the bottle jab. And hey, as promised, Lisa Lynn is back with us. Hey, y'all. <laughs> so this episode uh, was one of those episodes that I kind of forgot what it was about until it, it started. And then I thought, oh, for some reason, well, no, I know why, because it's called the bottle job. I thought it was the wine one. And I, I was also like, but wait, Sophie's in that one. And it's later. This is not the wine one. There's no wine in this episode at all. Uh, this episode aired on January 20th, 2010. So the anniversary of it's not too far away. Uh, it was written by Christine Boylan, who wrote uh, the Iceman and the, I think the Fairy Godparents job and a bunch of other ones. She's done like 21 episodes. This one was again directed by Jonathan Frakes. And I know you love a Jonathan Frakes episode. This is one of my all time favorite. This episodes. is a, this is a legit perfect episode uh, with the, the one caveat that Sophie's not there, but right. to save McCrory's from a loan shark, the mm -hmm. team must pull the wire scam in under two hours at a wake. <laughs> They, they borrowed the wake. They borrowed they the wake because they are totally respectful that way. And <laughs> and this is the first episode that Sophie has not been in it at all. She was not in a Skype uh, or anything, which is sad. But I guess she's having a baby. Right. Which uh, makes sense because there is such a time crunch. Literally. Like John Rogers always talk about like, how do we up the challenge? How do we make them work for it? Constrain them in time and space because they're the best of the best. Like, you're literally running in this in two hours. Like, it's going to be hard to just try to track Sophie down. They got too much going on. Yeah. And this is the most literal constrainment in time and two space. hours and space, the bar, exactly. uh, which is perfect. I, I love it. So, yeah. We open and up with a, with a picture of John McCrory and what is obviously his wake in his bar. And his daughter, Cora, who's this just this adorable redhead who's, you know, putting on a brave face and making the best of things and taking care of the bar and all of the guests. And the blog, John was so proud of himself for calling this the bottle job. <clears throat> because not only does is it a reference to the bar, it's actually, apparently it is a TV show convention. It is, yeah. The they bottle call episode. Bottle because you're further down the season, like production budgets got like, kind of tight. So what you do, to save money is just cut the guest guest like just go bare like use the stats and stuff you have so yeah. it's out on the budget you keep everybody stuff. contained in in one in one or two sets and and bottle job bottle shows are notorious like you know because you're you're paring everything down they tend to not be done well but this is one that i felt this was one of the best episodes they've done and and they said that too in the commentary and i must be just a sucker for the trope because I genuinely like bottle episodes of shows. I, but also like one of the ones that like pops into my head whenever anybody says bottle episode is the community episode. But community was so meta that they like Abed is like saying, "Oh, this is going to be our bottle episode because we're all locked in this room and everyone's like, oh, you what's know? wrong with you?" But I love that like there's a Doctor Who episode that's entirely contained in like a, a little shuttle and the bad guy is invisible. And it is one of the most <clears throat> terrifying and entertaining and well done episodes. And, and 17 people from the West Wing is a model episode. And I, I think it depends on who you have writing it uh, because sometimes when you constrain your writer in time and space, then they come up with something really creative the same way that the leverage team has to. And That's sometimes you get half-assed writers who can't do that. So. Cora, our future client, she walks through a back room and there's a poker game going on and she kind of chats really quickly with her dad's old friends who are back there playing. I think it's obvious that the guys playing poker are like regulars, like she's teasing them and like they're Yeah, and they say, you know, you're we miss we your love dad. Your father, our condolences, etc. etc. Yeah. Um, and then she's in a in a back like a storage room moving stuff around and this Irish guy and his two hoodlums uh, accost her. And he says his name is Mark Doyle. And Leading he- into all the possible st Irish stereotypes, like with the speech patterns and by the by and himself only a dead. Well, and he, I think he, he is like, Irish. So. But I feel like he was laying it on extra thick is my point. Yeah. 
I mean, he does call her Mistress Cora. Yeah. Which is also very Irish. But um, yeah, mean, so it's it's Mark Doyle, his colleague Liam, and Liam's brother. And that is like the best. The writers were so I, pleased with themselves for this running joke in this episode. Liam and Liam's brother. It's just I don't really running. I don't understand the joke. I still don't understand the joke. Liam and Liam's Oh, brother. the joke is that they never bothered to give Liam, Liam's brother a name. Okay, I thought it was just something. And so that's random. just funny. I just thought it was like a reference to something that I didn't get. Oh, but no. When they, were, when they were writing it, they're like, well, obviously he's Irish, so we'll call him Liam. And then there's another guy, and he's Liam's brother. And <laughs> we'll leave that empty until we can figure out what his name is. And then they're just like, you know what? That's kind of funny. Let's, let's keep it as Liam's, Liam's brother. And then that's just like this recurring punchline throughout the Got episode. It. Got it. Got it. <laughs> And it, yeah, it's great. And and he has like a little, uh, Liam's brother keeps a toothpick in his mouth the whole time. And apparently before they uh, recorded the commentary, the the writer, Christine Boylan, had met up with that actor when she's in New York. And he said, tell them about the toothpick. Cause he was so proud of his, his prop <laughs> of the toothpick. So I'd tell you about the toothpick too. They announced that they're coming to collect on a loan that her father took out with them a year ago. And it was for $5,000, but with interest, they now want $15,000 in two hours, or they'll take the pub as collateral. Usury right there, usury. Those interest, yeah. that's ridiculous. This is a loan shark, Lisa. It's uh, <laughs> not supposed okay. to be normal. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. So uh, Cora tries to fight back and like, you know, punch the guy, but Liam stops her. It's awful. And she's terrified. And then we like switch back to Nate kind of walking around the wake with the crew and telling them about his history with this bar, which I they didn't know why he chose this bar. But this was his dad's bar. Doing some exposition dumping right at this point. Yes. It's great. I, I love exposition dumping. I don't care. Um, but yeah, his dad used this bar stool right here as his office. And he, you know, he ran numbers. And we get this little cute little flashback of baby Nate sitting on the bar as his dad breaks a man's fingers. And that does not explain everything about Nathan Ford. I don't know what does. Yeah, right? And it's so cute. The, the little boy playing him uh, has like the hiccups kind of. Because he's like, so Nathan, what did we learn? And we don't see his dad's face. And it's actually Jonathan Frake's voice as Jimmy Ford there. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But and the little the little boy who plays young Nate, his name the uh, the actor's name is Diego Velasquez. But he has kind of the hiccups, and so he says, you know, never gamble with another man's money. And then he's like. <laughs> and it's so cute. Good boy. <laughs> so Elliot is kind of like, okay, so. You grew up in this environment, you stop stealing, you stop drinking, and then you move upstairs from a thieves bar. And then and that doesn't tell you everything about Nathan's. Um, what, like, what else is like, like why are you confused about this, Elliot? This seems pretty on brand for Nate Ford. <laughs> and Precisely. you know, he says, Well, it's not that way anymore. Like it used to be like there'd be a mob guy on one side of you and the law on the other side, but now it's just a family neighborhood bar. And you know, look at Cora. She grew up here. I remember when she was born and she turned out great. But obviously, Cora is not great. She looks very stressed out and she's Which emptying out really the cash drawer. Thing foreshadow, like, you know, when Nate's like, Yeah, back in the day, you don't know who you could talk. You you were sitting next to the mom and the pops, like and the popo are just sitting next to each other having a drink. Foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. But yes, yes. Mark is a dick. You don't collect debts at a funeral. It's just totally. How much more of a dick do you have to be to collect debts at a funeral? I I just I feel that this is not. He just did not manage his time properly. <laughs> he had he like left this till the very last minute. <laughs> Just in, that's irresponsible, and I don't think that his his job is going to go well from here. I mean, I mean with that I, sort of time management, how could you be successful? And I am not of Irish extraction, so I do not know the particulars of an Irish wake. But, I mean, the fact that it is boozy strikes me as plausible. I mean, I mean it feels right. It I mean, if you take right. into account that a regular 
Saturday afternoon for Irish people is usually boozy, then you could extrapolate from there that this <laughs> would be very, yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's more it's less of like a somber thing and more like a know, celebration and a you know you're more. yeah you're toasting and toasting sending and toasting sending them off through the afterlife but then exactly the, final the way that he would have wanted to go you know um and with oh, I like what's a good plan of Guinness yes some some Jameson lots of shots um I've never had a Guinness you've never had a Guinness never. you've never done an Irish car bomb never oh no uh, am I missing out, Steve? No. <laughs> I mean, okay. yes, but no, you're fine. Oh, I meant nope. to start this episode with like uh, the, because it's thematic for this episode, but also that's how they usually start the commentaries is they say what they're drinking. So uh, what are you drinking, I'm, Lisa? I'm drinking water a water from a water bottle. Mm, I'm drinking a Shiner. <laughs> I was like, well, I could have, I mean, I have some Jack Daniels, but I don't like to drink. Jack Daniels before I have to go to work in the morning. Uh, once we're done, I need to tell you my story about that time I had Jack Daniels. Okay. I'll tell you me. my story of the time recently when I accidentally had to mix tequila and red wine. Uh, so... Um, no good from tequila, baby. No good from tequila. Nope. Um, it was just one shot. It was fine. Uh, <laughs> um, so my this fact that I really like about this episode is that it's obviously set in winter. It's snowing outside. Uh, but they actually filmed it during an epic heat wave oh, in Portland. Gosh. It was 107 degrees outside. So no wonder they wanted it to be a bottle episode. You don't want to go outside. No. So, um, yeah, so they see Cora try to give money to Mark Doyle. And he says it's only like $250. And she goes storming out of the, oh. the bar oh. and they follow her and take her up to the, the team spidey to the apartment. Are going off. The team spidey senses are going off. Oh yeah. <laughs> um yeah, like they're little wiggly lines when they're looking at her. Uh so they take her upstairs and to hear a story. Before, before Elliot tries to get his back on by like by like commenting on Cora. Saying like a gross thing about redheads. I'm like, Elliot, you're better than this. You <laughs> don't need to say shitty things like this about women. Uh, but again, don't. it's Christian Kane. So Christian Kane not... also doesn't need to say shitty things like that about but women. Yes. yes, it's bad, and you reprimand him, but you will not be as pissed. You're not as pissed as you possibly could be because it's Christian Kane. No, no, point. I'm still pissed. But not maybe as you aren't. But I, I'm not going to give him. Um, I'm not no. giving him a pass. He gets saying. he gets passes for a lot of things, but saying, that's I, definitely I, I, not I one of them. Be, I would be like a seven instead of full on like fledged ten on the piston meter. That's all I'm saying. I would still call him out on it. I think I'd be like, "Oh, me too, Christian." No, <laughs> I not say cool. that. Not so there's no need. It was uncalled for. Yeah, yeah. You're like, no, yeah. Uh, so they take her upstairs, and this scene is really heartbreaking because. The way that she reacts feels so real to me. And she's she realizes that her dad took out the loan before the cancer took her mom to like help pay for hospital bills and, and bar and bills. Like some far-fetched like, experimental treatment that they were hoping could be a miracle cure or something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah they don't say it, but um yeah. so but she's like, like, I could have she she said I asked if he needed any help and he said he was fine and I could have done something to help. And just the way she's kind of doing that, like pitching cry just oh. felt super real and that guilt and also that means that her mom died and then her dad died within a year of each other and she and so now she's like running this bar on her own and orphaned yeah she's the sole heiress of this and because at the beginning i was like where are her family why is she the only person running this wake uh, so that just makes it even more heartbreaking that now she's gonna lose her dad's legacy you know her birthright. So, uh, you know, they say, we're going to take care of this and they send her off. And, and Parker asks, why don't we send her to the police? I mean, I don't use them. But isn't That's what they're for, right? <laughs> and then they're like, but then you're like, like you said, like, low charge. Low yeah. like, And even if they do it. something, they won't be able to keep him for long and like, he'll come oh. back and burn the bar down. 
like oh but like like Nate basically says, all he has to do is deny it and like there's there'll be nothing they can do. And like you said, and then six months later he comes and wreaks vengeance and takes his revenge and burns the place down. Yeah. But no, he needs to be taken out. He needs to be yeah. taken out. So Elliot wants to just break his knees. <laughs> For daring to collect debt at a wake, because as we said, that's not kosher. At that was like that offended him most of all. Like he was yeah. like, on a, like, <laughs> on a personal level. I don't care who you are. You don't do that. You just don't. Uh, and and Nate is intrigued, and he wants to know why. First of all, why there's an Irish loan shark hanging around in this Boston neighborhood, and why the two hour fr time frame. So they have to go do some research. And so they call in the big guns, they call in Tara. And Elliot rolls his eyes like he's pissed about this, which I thought was weird because aren't we all cool with Tara? Now? I didn't bump into that. I didn't notice that. Like all I just saw was like Tara, like Jerry was just dressed like perfectly as Trish. She's with the, the tumbling so good. A low cut top, like the short leather skirt. Like but I loved the quick like zhuzh she did to the outfit, which was not super racy. Like it was hot. Like it was a really nice, but she like pulls it down to poor show more cleavage, pulls up the skirt, show more leg. Like take the hair to, down. Wanting to make sure like Mark like was like paying attention to the girls. Like <laughs> I the just ones, like, I just got the joke of the name too. He's the Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and his name is Mark. I can't believe they waited till the, the like three fourths of the way through season two to do that. Um, but yeah, so they call Tara in and she shows up immediately and she's already awesome. My question about this is, um, and you're in like a large city area. I am in a large city area. They have two hours. They randomly call her up of an evening and they're like, hey, we got a job. Let's go. And then she's there within 30 minutes. I know Boston has mass transit, but and, in and Houston, also, like, good luck unless you live down the street. I don't know Boston's transit situation. I mean, I've I've ridden on their their subway and it was pretty vast, but I don't I don't know where she lives. Unless unless she's just nearby. Happened to yeah. be or once they saw, once the spidey senses got, like tingling, they kind of like, hey, uh, we may have a client uh, be on standby or something, you know. But I, I agree with you. Like, where is she? Was she just around the corner? Like, you know, presumably, I mean, she has her own place, or whatever. Yeah, and her own life. Yeah, what if she she's like probably working other jobs? So I don't yeah. know. But I mean, that was just like a tiny little caveat. And you know, I, you know, wave your hands, ignore, ignore it. It's, it's, it's TV magic. But now she's playing, she's Trish and she's lonely. And not uh, the shot too. Oh yeah, because she has to act like she's been there for a minute. So she starts flirting with Doyle and they lift his wallet. Basically they're setting her on a reconnaissance like info gathering. Mission. Yeah. I mean, they, he tells her 20 questions. She's like, I'll do it in 10. <laughs> like, yes. So good. Once they have his passport, hey. um, Hardison finds no digital trail on him. He doesn't have any credit cards. He doesn't have any bank accounts because this guy is hundred percent cash based. Um, and then Doyle, like immediately he's super upfront, which you got to appreciate in a guy. But, <laughs> He's super upfront about his job, and he if tells I was that he's cheap. I could do my job, could exactly. I? Exactly, just straight up, point blank. I'm a loan shark. I mean, okay. I mean, in 2019 world, like, I don't see a lot of businesses being cash only, except maybe quarter store bodegas or small shops like that. Yeah, who? I mean, it just doesn't really seem feasible to be just a cash only business. Well, or I mean, if you're are, working completely under the table. Or unless, like, I know there's this restaurant in Chinatown, like, here, which is cash only, but they also have an ATM on premises. So, you know, so. Yeah, no, I know a lot of places like that, that, oh, yeah, you got to pay in cash. <laughs> there's an ATM. You're good. Yeah. No, I, very few people now do carry cash. And it made me wonder, because, you know, they have plane tickets to go back to Ireland, to go back to Belfast. If you were working only on cash, like, where do you do you just how, wait, how do you, how do you get back to Ireland? How do you get, yeah. how do you get 
that's an excellent question. You know, I guess you have a travel agent and you pay them in cash and they buy it. Or do you just like go to the airport, go up to the ticket counter and buy a ticket there? Like she just carried around a duffel bag with like 10 grand in it. How's he going to get that through security? Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. And he, he shows Tara the bag of money, but it had been sitting on a bar stool and he had his back to it. If I had a bag full of like $10,000, I would have it straight up handcuffed to me like the nuclear but football so about something happening yes i would have all that shit stuffed down my cleavage like i would not have that in a bag <laughs> behind me and he did, does have like two dudes who are watching and like impressed with his game with this lady but they're too far away to notice anything else and do anything about it but yes yeah, like how is he gonna get all literal duffel bag of cash back to Dublin? Yeah, That's I don't. I mean, like can you, said, you check? Like, can you check a duffel bag of cash? This is 2009. TSA Homeland Security is up and running, so that's gonna raise some flags, right? I don't know. Like, it's your money, unless they can say exactly know. how. Well, there are customs forms. Like, you've tra you've yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, custom forms you have to fill out, so you got to declare that shit. I have no idea. Have, unless he has people on the take, uh, he he and he is very adamantly like cash only. It was good enough for my dad and my father before him. It's good enough for me, so that is part of his thing. So there's no way he could get a, they're getting around that, right? Like, I mean, they're gonna scan it, so they're gonna be like, why? Um, step aside, Mister Doyle. Let's have well, a no, but if he if he checks it, are they gonna check that? Presumably, there'll still be some sort. I think they do random spot checks. Look, 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 look. If if you have a duffel bag full of cash, are you really going to check it? Well, like you said, you can't take it as a carry on. So, so again, which goes back to the problem: how is he getting that shit back to Belfast? I have no right? idea. It's too late to mail it. So, yeah. Would you trust mailing? Would you trust the U.S. Post Office? No, no but I also wouldn't try to get it through security. I'm. These are just the things that I think would work, whether or not I actually trust that they would get there. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like Hardison, like, welcome to the digital age. Yeah. Like, let's just transfer this to a nice, like, bank account in the Caymans or something. And then I think this is also the issue of, this is why you don't take loan sharking international. <laughs> this is why you stay in Belfast, because then you don't have to t worry about TSA. <laughs> <laughs> he even at one point uses one of the team's catchphrases and he says we pick up where the law leaves off when Tara asks if it's he's like she's like but isn't that illegal <laughs> and, and Hardison like looks back at Nate and Nate's like mm. <laughs> uh, well yeah. he's like it is what it is yeah. but I, I mean like that was interesting though I mean, like the credit crunch and people like the financial like situation was just really unstable and the loan shark stepped in to fill that void. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And so now and when Tara got the ledger later, they were like neighborhood like trying to pay for um nursing mom in a nursing home and for their special needs kid. And, and it was just kind of like, oh God. And there are things that those those especially were things that you think that the social like our social net would take care of like help people with but they weren't and i think it just hammers the point of how much harm he's doing like you know it, like not just in the in the abstract yeah loan sharking is usually is bad but and when you humanize it and think it's because this family wants to take care of an elderly parent or provide for their child it's just heartbreaking and it just makes what he's doing more monstrous, you know? Yeah. yeah. So they got to figure out how they can con him in an hour and a half because they've already spent 30 minutes figuring all this out. <laughs> and so they're going to try to pull the wire scam, which usually takes and about three weeks. The deadline is because he's got to go back to Belfast and report to daddy. His annual report. <laughs> and that this branch is doing quite well. Yeah. So that's where the deadline's about. Epic, yeah. epic eye roll. Yeah, he's gotta he's gotta be on that plane to Belfast that we were mentioning. 
Um, yeah, Logan so, Airport, which I've never been to. Never had a flyover, never been to Boston. So don't I have, it's, it's a very nice airport. Um, mm -hmm. But you do have to get in a tunnel to get there, which comes into play later. And so they're going to pull the wire scam, which normally takes about three weeks. There's a lot of setup and a lot of other people you have to have in. Um, so I was going to do a little bit of background on the wire scam. You ready? So it's also known as the wire game. And this is from the Leverage fandom wiki. Uh, and it's an out of date long con that they've kind of movie modified. Um, well, there's a TV show called The Wire, but I don't think that's the same thing. Uh, this con was um, used in The Sting, the movie The Sting. Yes, that's it, The Sting. Yeah. So in in a long con in which a mark is lured into wagering on rigged off-track betting by promising advanced knowledge of the outcome of the race. So back in the first days of Telegraph, the, the con would go like this. They would make a mark or tell a mark that they had advanced knowledge of, of how a race was going to go because of the telegraph and they could make bets on that and then they would screw them over in the end. So the, the mark may be allowed to place and win smaller bets before placing a significantly larger one, which he will, of course, lose generally when a small planned miscommunication leads him to make the wrong bet, uh, which it kind of went out of style when, when telegraphy went more widespread and they, there were local <laughs> bunko squads who put protections against delaying results into oh, place. Lord. So yeah, but in this one, they kind of switched it around and they used the the live cable feed of the sports games and they put a, a delay on it so that Hardison can watch it first and tell Nate what to uh, what to bet on because so, he knows the outcome. So, so basically, the premise is you lure them in by giving them the real intel and building their confidence, uh, like getting their confidence, and then get them to go all in on the final pot and then screwing them over on the final pot. Yeah, whereas here, Nate knows what's actually gonna happen and he purposefully <laughs> loses, 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 and, yeah. and then at the end, takes the whole pot. Um, so a variant on the wire as it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but pretty hard and and, to start this, though, he needs a lot of cash on hand. And apparently the team has bolt holes of cash all over the apartment. Can we say a little prayer for Old Nate? Like, oh, Old Nate's fine. It was just in the backing of him. His The painting is still okay. He didn't cut through the canvas. He cut through the backing, the lining of it. I, I was, He's 100% fine. I was with Parker. I thought they kept Old Nate around for sentimental reasons. <laughs> nope. They, they, this was like, I love that this was the startup of like them totally trashing Nate's place. Oh my God. Which does later with them. But they, they, they literally like turn it upside down, like ripping into the armchair, like empty cereal boxes, like yeah. exacto right into old Nate. That scene made me so hungry for cereal. <laughs> uh, and they're, they were also like, this is why Parker's always eating cereal. It's because she's hiding cash in the cereal. <laughs> And uh, and they're also and, taking the bookshelf, the books off the bookshelf, and Hardison and, cuts and a hole in the back of it. Like saying, "Look, welcome to the future. I can. You want a wire transfer to the campus? I'm your guy. Cold hard cash, not so much. Welcome yeah. to the future, people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it comes back to bite you sometimes, but yeah. for the most part, yeah. um, yeah. So Elliot drops off the cash." Uh, to Nate, and then he says he's going to take care of the muscle, which of course you take to mean that he's going to go beat them up and get them out of the way, but he doesn't. But no! He doesn't. Um, and Hardison cuts a hole in Nate's wall and they pull out all of these freaking wires Again, so that he can... Trashing yes. Yep. Splicing up, splicing these wires so they can get to the feed. But he was told, they were told to do these things. <laughs> um, and this is what happens when you have to you know, do things on the fly is that it's going to be a lot messier than they usually do. This is, you know, no quick and dirty, quick and dirty. No time for finesse. No time for finesse. Yeah. So Nate comes up to Tara in his like new guise as, you know, this character that he's playing and she's like, Ugh, and she leaves the bar. And then Nate explains to a pissed off Doyle that he's it was basically like, you cock blocked me, bro. Exactly. And he's like, oh, I used to date her until I had to break her brother's kneecaps because he didn't pay a gambling debt. Oh. And then he's like, oh, fair. <laughs> like, oh, God, you yeah, assholes. Yeah. I mean, we already knew who's a creep, but, but it's then, good to see that. 
underlined there. Ellie is just having fun, like throwing darts with the boys. Yeah. Um, so Nate gives his name as Jimmy Ford. And oh. yeah, <laughs> and Elliot's having fun with the with the muscle because Parker goes to get info on them. And uh, but you see like when they're gambling and he's gambling really poorly that he like looks at Doyle's drink really longingly. Well, for me, like, I, I don't know why, but it just struck me like that scene when Cora is just like getting the beers to Elliot and Liam's and, and, and that, that look is like, I, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I, 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 I'm trying to trust you. And yeah. then Parker comes in like, I got this. Like, it's just that look on her face is just kind of like, you don't miss with Parker when she has that look on her face. Like, she has her game face on. It's just like, you. Yeah. Well, and Cora was like, good. I didn't want to take these beers anyways. <laughs> Go for it. And, <laughs> yeah. And then they turn the, the like, you know, sexual harassment that waitresses have to deal with into an opportunity to freaking steal their wallets and phones, which I thought was great. That was a heck of an ass smack. Yeah. So, so hard that he did not feel that he's now missing wallet and phone. Because Parker is that good. She's that good. <laughs> and they find that one of them has the ledger on them, but it's all in code, which Tara starts to decrypt because she studied encryption and she's like, oh, you know what? Never mind. I don't, I don't, you don't need to know. It's fine. And uh, Doyle pushes Nate into having a drink. He's like, oh, you're too good to drink with me. And I'm not going to make a bet if you have the advantage. And the kids are like, dad, don't do it, dad. Don't do oh, it. it's heartbreaking because he, he takes the sip and, you know, he's transported. <laughs> and, and then he slowly looks over and makes eye contact with Elliot. And then we see Parker and Hardison's reactions upstairs and even Tara's concerned. And it's like, so sad. So, kids are so disappointed. Yeah. And then he like turns away, like has his back to Elliot and like takes another sip. And it's so sad. <sighs> so, um, yeah. So, so Tara cracks the code and they find out that Doyle is really, really deep in this neighborhood. Like we were saying earlier, you know, he has uh, loans out from uh, a guy who had to put his mom into a nursing home, a woman with a, daughter with special needs uh, and things like that. Meanwhile, while they're betting, they're up to like $10,000 that Nate has, has managed to win back. And so they're going to do one all or nothing last bet before he has the to last, get on the road. The final push, like yeah. And Nate wants to know if Doyle has the money to back up the bet, hoping that he's going to give him, you know, maybe the bag of money or what. And instead he puts down the IOU for the bar. And, you know, makes this big thing like, oh, you don't know if she's good for it. That's why it's called gambling. So Nate, of course, takes the bet and, of course, wins the bet. And I mean, not until, like, again, like, he's like, he's being extra and just he's kind of like. Fast and loose. And, 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 and Horace is practically yellow. Make the damn bet, Nate. You got five seconds. Damn. But Nate's good. He knows exactly how long he needs to wait because he's not quite drunk yet so he wins and you know doyle is a little pissed that he lost the money but he's like yeah well, good riddance i've got you know the rest of it and i'm gonna leave i still have my duffel i saw my duffel bag of cash yeah dad's not gonna be too upset but nate decides we're not letting him go and and hardison's so psyched he's like Woo! not because he loves sports ball but because they pulled off the wire scam in under two hours and that's that's for the history books right there Obviously, they're just laying groundwork for the theme of the season, like Nate is unraveling and, yeah. and etc. But he has a point. Maybe they stopped him from going after Cora, but he's still in the neighborhood. Like, like yeah, he's like, gonna go talk to his dad, be show that he's successful in this neighborhood. He's gonna be sent back with more resources, more men, and literally, they're not gonna be able to get him back out. Like, so they have like, to. It's like a cancer that's going to spread. Like Exactly. Like, like a tumor that needs to be removed. Exactly. And it's better sooner than later before it <laughs> metastasizes, right? So keep going with that analogy. Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. But yes. Um 
And so Nate even says like this next con that he has in mind is probably a little more impossible than the one that they just uh, He's acknowledging it. Like, yeah, yeah this is a stretch, people. This yeah. is a- <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> uh, so Tara comes back in to stall him from going to the airport and she tells him there's a blizzard outside and they're, you know, she's like, fine, if you want to sit in the tunnel for three hours, it's fine with me. But <laughs> Liam's brother is claustrophobic, <laughs> which is one of those things like, Doyle's been an asshole the whole time, but he's like, oh, we can't have that because Doyle's, or Liam's brother is, Wait, Liam's, Liam's brother, brother is just nodding. Liam's brother is a tall, gangly one, right? I wouldn't call him gangly, but yes. Okay, yes, all right. But he's all taller right. than but Liam. Liam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I remember something I have to bring up in a little bit. Okay. That we didn't talk about. Okay, but it, it comes back in later. Um, so basically, yeah. so then Hardison has to fake the weather, and, and, this and is wonderful. Doing, at this point, John Raj is like shirtless Alice Hodge. You're welcome, people. I know <laughs> they were like, he works out so much, he shouldn't get to show it off. <laughs> and they said they asked him if he, you know, like, hey, would you be okay with taking your shirt off? And he's like, like on camera, and they're like, yeah, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> So good. I'm glad he wasn't uncomfortable because I was very happy. Um, <laughs> At this point, he's like what 25 or something like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, what 25 year old male is going to have any inhibitions about taking off the shirt? Yeah, especially one who takes care of himself as much as Alice does, <laughs> and who calls himself sexual chocolate. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you call yourself sexual chocolate. Your, your confidence is, is okay. I'm not being racist or anything like that, people. He literally refers to himself as sexual chocolate in the commentaries. Okay, I'm just quoting out this Hodge. I'm not being racist. <laughs> I think it's okay. I think it's all right. Sexual chocolate, uh, Hodge. You're like, I'm going to need you to cite your sources, but <laughs> no. So uh, Nate and Elliot and Parker, he does. He's, he does. I, I believe you. It's all right. So Nate is kind of explaining to Parker and Elliot that um, that they're going to fake a high stakes poker game so that Doyle loses all of his cash and that will make him lose face with his dad and he will never come back to Boston. And you don't mess with dad, dear old da. Yeah. Because uh, he has some nasty ties. Yes, he likes to kill people. What did he like to kill people? Bury them alive? No, that was... He has like ties with the IRA and bomb pipe bombs or something like that. Yeah, the nail bombs. Yeah, something like along those lines. There was something about how he liked to kill people, but I can't remember what it was. Nasty piece of work. Yeah, so they need to take all of his money, not just the money he has in the bag, but every piece, every single bill he has in Boston. So they've got to track down his headquarters and and get his money. And Parker says, what if I can't crack the safe? And they just look at her and she's like, seriously, come on. Basically, like, he was just... This is, this is whoa, Parker's trying, idea of a joke. <laughs> like, right, yeah. There exists a safe in the world that I can't crack. Yeah. Funny, yeah. yeah uh-huh. um, so Hardison has to um, hack the weather. And he, why Nate has a green screen colored green blanket, I have no idea because it is totally not in keeping with his aesthetic, but <laughs> whatever, hand waving. Yes. Does and, he have an aesthetic? What is his aesthetic? Uh, you've seen his apartment. It is nice. It's pretty minimalist, but he doesn't have like lime green <laughs> blankets lying around. You've never seen the bedroom. Maybe the bedroom is, is a green ski. It has a green has a green thing. I don't know. No, it does not. It does not. I refuse to believe. Um, it's but it's just hand waving. It's fine. I'm fine with it. I mean, to be um, fair, like he. Nate Ford doesn't really do bright colors. Mm-hmm. He's more like dark tone, earth tones, and things. Yeah, like yeah. In keeping with his black soul, you exactly, know, exactly. Uh, but I just love, you know, he does really. He does a pretty good job of faking the weather really, really fast. And then he says, "The next time y'all call me, it better be for something easy, like faking a moon landing." He is so annoyed at Tara. Like, no yeah. woman did not do this. Well, I had to do it. Well, and she didn't say, let's check the weather. That was Doyle. Mm. But so Tara tells Doyle that he was cheated by Nate uh, and, and explains the how they worked the wire scam on him. And he's, you know, unhappy. But I think they cut something here when they were editing 
because uh, he's like, well, why didn't you tell me he was going to do that? And she says, she says, um, man's work yeah. and that, that he hurt her feelings, but that never happened because she left as soon as Nate showed up. And there was never any conversation about like, oh, leave it to the men or things like that. Well, so I, I wonder if there was a scene that got cut. I read it more as like he got involved with betting with Nate as opposed to trying to find her. I guess that's how maybe I read it. I don't but, know. But how would she have warned him? Yeah, I don't know. So I, I really think that maybe there was like a tiny little <laughs> added scene and that was taken maybe out Maybe just somehow. a glitch in the editing room. You know. yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's just like a tiny continuity thing which is totally explained away the way that you did but i feel like because it's it sounded like she was quoting something uh right. and so i'm like oh maybe they they had to cut something yeah, the for way time. She emphasized it yeah men's yeah talk. men's talk or men's work so um doo -doo -doo -doo. so he's he's pissed and he wants to go you know beat the shit out of him get the money back uh meanwhile nate decides that Doyle is going to cheat them at cards. Instead of them cheating him, they're gonna he's gonna cheat them, and that's how they'll catch him. So when Doyle is like storming off to go beat up Nate, Tara stops him to say, "You can't go back there. He's playing cards with like some neighborhood neighborhood heavies. You can't just like barge like, back there." Like, Putting the seats for him to for him to have the idea. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, I'm gonna use you to signal me about about Ford's hand. Yeah, I mean, I don't get the Tom and George business. Yeah, I don't know I guess if that's an Irish thing. Or just know. a random thing I, we don't know about. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. And, you know, he's like, what would you, what would you do? What would he do if you sat on his, went in there and sat on his lap? And she's like, well, what would you do? Uh, yeah. So they've, they're I working out a thing what where. What would anyone do if Jay Ryan sat in their lap? Exactly. Um, <laughs> so they, you know, they I work mean, out there how they're going to do this. The signals. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Hardison has led Elliot and Parker to a warehouse and he's like, I got you to the warehouse, go find something to punch. <laughs> so, they're, you know, they're wandering around a lot of growling. He's been doing a lot of growling lately. Well, he really, I, I mean, especially in this episode, he doesn't really get to stretch his legs very much until this scene. Mm -hmm. Um, but he does get to beat some people up in this scene because they find the, the safe and it's a was it the was it the Liam's he beat up or was it somebody else? I don't remember. It's it's the it's guys in the warehouse. Um, I think so they, the, yeah, the Liam's the Liam's uh, uh, stayed with Doyle at the bar. Yeah, yeah. We never see the Liam's again after, um, yeah. Doyle goes into the poker game. Right. So, but they find the the safe. It's a Glenn Reader from the twenties, and Parker is inappropriate to it. <laughs> and then she complains about Elliot stomping around, but it wasn't him stomping. And so he has to go beat up some people. I mean, it's not an it's not a leverage episode unless Elliot beats somebody up. Mm -mm. And then he beats up the three guys and leaves them on a pile. And then he sees a fourth guy, and this guy's like a big guy, and he's like just startled and like, oh gosh, what's happening? And he like tries to run away, and he has the best run. And Parker's just annoyed. Yeah. She's like, um, it reminded me of the fairy godparents job when Elliot's fighting a guy backstage and Sophie's just like, be quiet. <laughs> He's performing. <laughs> like, we can we just keep show? it down? Yes. This is way more important. The show must go on. <laughs> um, and she's like, I'm trying to work here. And then she like flips around and kicks the guy in the face to knock him out. <laughs> uh, and there's... Right before that scene, I forgot to mention, there's a, a scene between, well, a couple, like a whole scene where Nate goes in and Cora introduces him to the poker players because th this is the poker game that they're getting in on. And they, you know, she says, this is Jimmy's son. And they say, are you anything like your dad? And then it kind of pans away. But then uh, Tara comes in and Nate's pouring himself a drink. And she says, yeah, Sophie said that you were drunk. And basically... Can we have a minute? Thanks. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's, you know, and he says, oh, well, it's different from before. Uh, and before I just thought I was okay when I was drunk. And now I know that I'm not. So I guess, you know, knowing is half the battle. Self-awareness is a hell of a thing. Yeah. 
I guess. And um, and Elliot asks him, if you weren't drunk, would you even consider this plan that we're about to do? And he's like, consider it, yeah, but do it, maybe not. I mean, Which, I mean and, and like Tara has is a bit of more an outsider role. Like he he hasn't he doesn't have the history and which comes into play and the finale. No spoilers. No spoilers. Right. But um so you know so she has she takes a more big picture view of you are unraveling. This is not good. Like I are you on your game? Like I I are you putting your like you know, so whereas the kids are more like they're more they're like ride or die, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Where you know, like they're more she's not, she's not invested in me. <clears throat> no, and she's she is more willing to call him out. Yeah. <clears throat> whereas the kids are more like we'll, we'll, we'll follow your lead, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elliot Parker. <laughs> do... Shout out to, you know, to the three guys at the bar, three guys in the poker table, you know. Yes, that's what I wanted to bring up. Um, and because we're gonna we're gonna get into them more because it's Maury from B Babette and Maury from Gomer Girls. And I was like, it's Maury. I love him oh, so and, much. Uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Donnelly and Mr. McCann and Mr. Mm -hmm. Cabela. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Tara's concerned that they don't seem like mobster types, but I think they, they're fine. They could be scary older dudes. Uh, and they, you know, they're just going to pretend like it's a regular poker game. So it's I fine. The less I know, the better. <laughs> mm -hmm. <clears throat> and sure, we'll pretend like the buy-in is much more than it actually is. Whatever. <laughs> Fine by me. So they're playing this whole uh, game, and Doyle starts talking big to the local players, and he's bragging about a big job that he helped on. And Because he's... he's he wants to impress the locals. He, he's been led to believe that these are serious guys having... Have, like Tarasol, these are heavy hitters. This mm. is, these guys are no joke. Like you have to, you know, you, you cannot insult these guys. So he's trying to kind of talk himself up because when he comes back, he wants you know them to know that he's a new player in town, someone to be reckoned with. Essentially, yeah. So Nate has been losing <laughs> steadily thanks to Tara's signals to Doyle, and he's just been waiting on his niece to show up with more cash so he can buy back in. And when she shows up with a stack of cash, Doyle recognizes it as his own because of the markings that Liam's brother does on each bill when they collect. And he understandably gets pissed off and he pulls a gun on Nate. Mm -hmm. And then he like does his evil speech of evil and straight up like literally says, I'm a loan shark. These are my teeth, which is like the shittiest thing. I feel like the after Alice might just probably had fun. With he was family. having so much fun. Um, and I feel like, from what I can tell, like he probably, I think the, the cast and crew had fun with him too. I feel, you know, I think they had, they enjoyed him as well. I, yeah. I, oh, yeah. And whatnot. They enjoyed him as well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. And they were saying, oh, this poor guy has to flirt with Jerry Ryan for <laughs> six days <laughs> in a bar. <laughs> He was having a really hard time. So Doyle finds out the hard way that the poker players he's playing with are not neighborhood heavies. They are cops. They are not Mr. Cabela, Mr. Donnelly, and Mr. McCann. Rather, they are Captain McCann. Yeah. yeah Lieutenant and Sergeant Detective. Sergeant, Sergeant Donnelly. Yeah. Sergeant Donnelly. Yeah. So then he like... The Pope. Yeah. Then he realizes he's not going to win and he tries to make a deal with them. He's like, well, oh, let's just call it a draw and you could take what's yours and I'll take what's mine and I'll donate to your retirement fund. Uh, but I mean, can we just start like how much relish those three guys had just flashing? Oh my god! Like it was just like they just relished that moment. I loved the one guy like just pulling out the Irish accent too. <laughs> To oh, make fun of him. It was great. Mickey, yeah. Yeah. Mickey Donnelly, yeah. Yeah. 
the boss of police department. <laughs> and I got this gun from the boss. Like, <laughs> so funny. I, that, was a, that was a really good Boston accent, though. I yeah. The, yeah. the guy who plays the captain, Maury, from Gilmore Girls, like, his accent was great because it's so different from him on Gilmore Girls. And, yeah, and it's just, and, 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 and it's just like, but, because not only are they police, they're in the organized crime division. Yeah, and they like had been working that case that he mentioned, and it was the first break they've had in months. And then that flashback when he starts bragging about the you guys involved with that, you could say that. And then when he starts spilling the details, the three of them are looking together. It's like poker face, guys, poker face. But oh my god, holy shit, poker they're face! Like, sit, stare, bit. I mean, we're literally playing poker, so they're already in place. But poker face, poker face. all right, all right. We got this. We got this. Let's just let it play out. Um, but yeah, so Doyle's trying to make a deal and Nate throws him down on the table and, and then, tells him. Uh, and then he's trying, trying to cry entrapment and the Captain McKenna. Like, if I remember, like, you invited you you asked into our game. No entrapment. Nobody we you invited yourself. You came in, you know, we didn't entrap you. Yeah. We you invited yourself into this party. I can't precisely. Like Nate promised, he's gonna put come in here and put every penny he has on that table. Yep, and which is exactly what happened, <laughs> whether he meant to or not. Um, so Nate throws him down, like he's you know after he's trying to make the deal with them, he throws him down on the table and have this arm behind his back and tells him he's got to go back and tell his dad he lost all his money. And you know when, once he agrees, he's like, oh, and one other thing, and then he breaks his fingers. Actually, yeah, basically he's like. You either call, go home, and just tell dad things didn't work out and never come back, or he's going to get a call saying you actually literally lost your money two or four times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then which could possibly get you killed. Uh huh. Uh huh. I don't care if your daddy's favorite, but <laughs> yeah. And so then the, you know, Mickey Donnelly says, you know, you're exactly like your father. Because they asked him earlier if he was like his dad. Father. And he says no. Like yeah. this really brought a father. Well, exactly like your father. father. No. Exactly. Yes. Father. No. Father. So yeah, and then Tara, they're collecting all the money. She's like, well, I guess all of this is gonna be evidence, and the you know the people it was taken from will never get it back. And the cops are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was at the movies all night. We had tickets to the game. It was a great game. You know. There are times, I, I guess realistically, there are times when the police have to use the discretion and maybe the best thing to do is just pretend to turn a blind eye and pretend you didn't see something happen. Like, I guess, like, if you come to a, come up, come up and someone calls the police and because, you know, a, you know, someone beat the crap out when you're hearing a fight and then it turns out, so, you know, you know, it, Maybe sometimes the best thing to do is just pretend you weren't there because maybe getting the law involved or see someone just makes things worse. I don't know. Yeah. That's a that's a hard call to make. I don't think I would say. Yeah. yeah, it's a good thing when the cops do this, but in this instance, especially because it's a television show and not real, I can definitely say these yeah. guys did the right thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, they're able to give all the money back to the people. Or, like, who... or somebody like you know saying. Some guy beat the hell out of the guy because the guy who was getting beat up was using like was throwing racial slurs at someone or like homophobic slurs or something. And like, <laughs> I don't see a crime here. Yeah, right. I mean, I see one, but it was already paid for. Because you got the shit beat out of you I for mean, hate speech. Maybe, maybe sometimes sweet justice, street justice, is more effective and swift and brutal than the legal justice system. You know, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. But again, because we're dealing in a fictional world, I am more comfortable with, uh, with like signing off on what these three guys did. Yes, <laughs> because we can see that they're doing good things, and we can't see what other cops are doing when they turn their eye, or you know, when they turn their back on issues. Um, so the team gives back all the money to the people who were loan sharked. <laughs> I don't know if that's the proper term. And you see, like, Parker's, like, really hesitant to give over the cash. She's struggling. She's like, oh, okay. To let go. Every last dollar went back. Um, and then Nate wants to go to bed because things are over. I mean, but I, The girl loves so cold hard cash. The girl loves cold hard cash. We know cash. that. 
she has feelings about it. Um, and Nate wants to go to bed, but his, obviously his apartment is in ruins. And Hardison's like, ah, maybe wait. And then he's trying to get everyone to help him clean up and nobody will help him. But I and get the feeling like, that Hardison or that Elliot and Parker did go up and help. But Tara says, I don't clean. And I was like, girl, same. <laughs> same. I mean, like, Hardison was just so sad. Like, um, okay. Well, why don't you stay here and get some appetizers and, 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 <laughs> and, and like stay here, hang out here? And I mean, like, and basically Nate's looking at him, what the hell did you do upstairs? What like the he hell has to know do? these are all things he did because he was told to do them. Like it's not his fault, but daddy will get angry because, and also he's drunk. So you'd really don't want that. Um, but they all like clear out. Think, like, do you really think Nate for dad, dad is going to understand, be understanding? No, no, he's going to be bitchy about it, but I don't think he's going <laughs> to be that. Bad. He'll be cranky. He'll be cranky about but, it. Like it could be completely clean and a pillow would be on the floor and he'd be the same amount. I think. Of crumpy. So, uh, so Nate Four has issues. He does. I don't know if we've talked about that before. <laughs> um, so Cora and Nate, then like it's just the two of them, and they talk about their dads. They have a really lovely moment. It's really sweet. Um, and she actually, when talking about his dad, uses the present tense, which I think is the first hint that we get that he's still alive because Nate talks about him in the past tense and then the, the crew automatically does as well. So we kind of assume his dad is well, not alive. In the blog, John was like, he was. they were like, oh, at that moment, we knew we were digging, we are going back there. Like, their story to mine. Like, we have not seen or heard last of Jimmy Ford. Oh, yeah. But, the, but we didn't. <laughs> and that was like the first kind of, oh. She definitely used present tense. He's still around. And, and then Nate, they make a toast to fathers. And, and then I wrote, and oh no, there goes sobriety. <laughs> and I realized, so this, we were talking about how the name of this episode is um, because, you know, it's, it's because it's an Irish wake um, and because they're stuck in the same sets. So it's a bottle episode, but it's also the first episode where Nate starts drinking again. So it's like, he's reopened that bottle. Um, so I'm meta. Like, oh, so meta. So many <laughs> levels. <laughs> I dig it. I very much dig it. Uh, yeah. All right. So that is an excellent episode. I just want to say it's so good. It uh, and and you found <laughs> the heist light for us. So I'm going to let you talk about it. Okay. I found this from the Telegraph. And it was actually the only, it was published literally yesterday. It's talking about a rash of robberies in Tokyo. Um, it's talking about these two employees uh, of a precious metals company were robbed of uh, 580,000 580, pounds. I don't know what I'm going to look how much that is in yeah. um, um, US like dollars. point blank, like out on the streets on Tokyo, but and the on a Saturday article goes on to talk about how a lot of businesses in Japan are still do business in cash only, which which I saw that it was a perfect tie into the episode with Mark Doyle's thing uh, on the loan trucks and like doing cash business only business, mm -hmm. and um, literally like. In the middle of the afternoon, like in the bright daylight in 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 Tokyo, um, so it it's just kind of like it's like you I can't win. Know. It's like if you do cash only, you're gonna get robbed physically. If if you're doing online stuff, it's gonna be like that other one that we mentioned with the like Nigerian scams, like. And hacked it. Yeah, there's there's no safe way to carry around lots of money. So maybe people shouldn't have lots of money. <laughs> maybe that's the communist in me coming out. I don't know. Oh. Not really a communist, but you know, people having too much. By the way, five hundred and eighty thousand pounds sterling is seven hundred and forty thousand six hundred and forty one and forty four cents. Holy crap! Yeah. I would 
for you. That would be so paranoid carrying around that much. Can you imagine the feeling that those poor employees had? Like the like just straight up nausea. Like, oh my god, I just on the hook for that if they yeah. had a really bad like dick employer. Yeah, and these were like young guys. I think they said they were 25 and 28. Y- yeah, yeah, 27, 29. Yeah. 20, yeah, like that sucks. But uh, like how crazy do you have to be that to get robbed at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, right in the middle of Tokyo? Like we're in the middle of a city. We're not talking about some place that's like deserted. Tokyo, one of the well, most crowded places on the face of the planet. But I figure, like, maybe that's the fastest way to steal from someone if you're in a very crowded spot. Like, if, like, they're not highwaymen, you know? It's just uh, okay, you're pickpocketed or you're just, you know, I knocked mean, down yeah, and your stuff's taken. Being pickpocketed and being like, and, and literally stealing a duffel, a, a duffel bag of cash. Like, Look, being pickpocketing is, will be easier in a crowded place because your body, like, you know, it's crowded. Mm-hmm. But it, are they carrying them in duffels or like were they exactly but i mean if you have two people on their own no bodyguards and they were a just bunch tra- of- it's that's transporting a bag containing the cash so it's not like they're just like pickpocketing someone like they're literally grabbing the bag well you've so seen that not- in movies like where uh someone like runs by someone really fast and just like yanks the bag off their their shoulder yeah. and keeps running yes, yes. like i feel like that's probably <laughs> the scenario that that happened in and then they said the the you know they have no suspects at this point but some people were like it's the yakuza and i i read okay. something recently that uh i guess it was and I could be wrong, but it was like an old samurai tradition, like when you got a new sword to just randomly test it out on a random passerby. So like poor townspeople would just like be stabbed by oh. random samurai who just what got a new hell? toy. And that's how the Yakuza was formed originally to like protect themselves from the samurai. Okay, okay. again, <laughs> I'm not gonna defend my people. <laughs> The Yakuza are just really bad dudes too. They are. They are. They're not to be messed with. But but that's kind of an interesting. Like if that's where they came from, maybe that wouldn't have happened if the samurai <laughs> weren't just randomly stabbing people. I mean, like this the new recent like revamp reboot of Hawaii Five O has this whole thing about like ties to the Yakuza. Like it's really painting to be a really brutal thing, and it's mm. my people contain multitudes. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, and the article also talks about in July 2016 when a car carrying gold bars that was mad. 70, that was 750 million yen, 5.43 million pounds, um, was stopped in the city, stopped. By two men dressed as officers, and then they threatened the curries, and then the guys, the robbers dressed as the police officers, ran, got took just took it, took the gold, and ran away. But my my question is both for the five hundred eighty pound, eighty thousand pounds, and these gold bars. Like, do they not have armored trucks, which are not foolproof? They they get stolen. I mean, that was in an episode of. Leverage. The Iceman job, yes. But um yeah. would that not be more secure? I mean, it it's not fair. I know there's a lot of traffic in Tokyo, but I mean, I just feel like it's not fair to try to, to put that kind of responsibility on on a mere employee. Yeah. 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 In a bag. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it it could be a cultural thing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like there's a lot of companies like this who are I mean, still like, clinging I, to, like, cash only. Taiwan is really still very much uh, cash. Like, there are not that many places that do credit cards. Like, it would mostly be in Taipei, major cities. Like, most places are still very much cash only. They just do cash. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, you know... Uh, food stands and things like that. They're not gonna. They don't. They're not gonna take credit cards. No, no. Yeah, because it's gonna cost them more money to do that than just to take cash. Yeah, like they take. Yeah, yeah. Like you can get a bowl of noodles and like a bowl of wonton soup for like two dollars. Yeah, 
I'd, and if you're having to pay for that with a card, I always feel like so shitty when I'm like, this was a dollar fifty and I have to pay for it with my card. <laughs> I feel like I've disappointed the world when I don't have a dollar fifty on me. But yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I want like, a bowl I, of noodles and some wonton soup. How dare you? <laughs> like, like you said, like suspicion has fallen into the Yakuza, like Young World gangs. Apparently, the Yakuza do like the illegal gambling, the sex industry, and protection, and presumably trafficking. But, uh, but apparently, the government has been tracking down on them, so maybe they're diversifying. Oh, they're like, oh, we got to find new ways. Yeah. <laughs> Would be um, smart. I mean, I, I just thought this was like perfect for this episode because of the whole cash aspect of it. Yeah. And, and how that you know, can and, screw you over in the end. <laughs> and then, you know, the Yakuza and how Mark is part of the Irish mob. And the Irish mm -hmm. mob. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's funny how they, these stories kind of, I'm going to have to find something about Ukrainian prisons for the next episode. <laughs> good to see Maggie back, though. I do love Maggie, and I'm really excited for one of the guest stars in that episode. And I'm excited because my co-host for that episode is a good friend of mine who's never been on a podcast before. So we'll see how she does. Oh, a new co-host. Yeah, a new co-host. I like to diversify. Um, you know you love me best, Dave. No, I <laughs> I can't say that on air. Oh my gosh. Of course not. No. But, okay, you can cut this part out, but like, I love Mark Shepard as Sterling. <laughs> Why would him. I cut that out? That's fabulous. Mark Shepard's the best at everything. No, we're, like, we're not trying to avoid spoilers for the next episode. Yeah, that isn't even the person I was talking about, but I do love Mark Shepard. Who? You'll have to listen to the episode and find out. Yeah, the guy, <laughs> who, played, the guy who played. Don't, nope, no, no, no more spoilers. No more spoilers. Okay, all right. All that. right. So, Lisa, tell us where people can find you um, on the online. I am at, at LaFaresta1. And I have had enough pictures of cats and boxes, so you can stop sending them to me. Thank you very much. If you're looking for me online, you can find me at Librarian STI. So, you won't see us again, but you'll hear us again in two weeks when we talk about the Zanzibar Marketplace job. Yeah. A really great episode. All right. Say bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.